time ago in a Galilee far, far away. <laughs> no, just for some of you. My stupidity is, is a very niche market. Uh, you know, we have Christmas on Friday. I don't know if you knew that. Um, this Friday is Christmas. And in typical uh, fashion, uh, we're not... We're going to address Jesus, the birth of Jesus today, but through um, the eyes of a complete lunatic. Uh, Herod the Great, King Herod, was a complete lunatic. Uh, he ran things quite well, and usually as you can do, you run things quite well whenever you think that everything should be revolving around you. And then the rest of the world um, gets on board with that. So if you say, the whole world should revolve around me, and then the rest of the world says, okay, yeah, we'll do that, because you're a good builder, because you have some insight on tax plans or whatever, and you're a com but you're a complete lunatic, um, that's not going to work out well for the rest of the world eventually, but they just let him. He ran the world, the way, ran the Jewish world the way he saw fit, and no one else tried to get in his way because he had demonstrated King Herod had demonstrated a, an ability to be a complete lunatic. He had he had decided that he didn't think everyone, people were going to be sad enough when he died. If you've had that thought, people are going to be sad enough when I die. You might be a borderline lunatic too. But he had the power to, to change that. So he said, what we're going to do when I die is we're going to get a bunch of people that, that um, everyone respects. So get some very respected people to come to um, my funeral. And we'll kill them too. That way everybody will be sad when I die. Yep, you probably haven't had that thought. He was... A, he, he was king, and he wanted everyone else, no one else, to be king. So, as we saw last week, when the three magic men, when the three wise men, when the three magi show up, and they decide, hey, uh, there's a, where's the king that's been born? He says, Ugh. and then he says, sort of has to pretend like he's interested. Oh, yes, uh, I'll worship him too. Remember the magic man said, well, why are you putting worship in airports? And he says, it doesn't matter. Go on your way. Because he wanted to kill him. He, he said, oh, if that baby, if that baby thinks he's king, I'm going to kill that baby. Yeah. Probably the first sermon that's ever had to quote, kill that baby. In it. But that's what was his thought. I mean, how crazy do you have to be to think, well, that baby is... Um, Really going to hurt my chances at remaining king. They're going to put a crown on that baby's head. Got to take care of that baby before I still can. So he tells the magic men, tells the wise men, those guys to go find out where that child is and then tell me where that child is and I will find that child and worship him too. And with every intention of killing the child. Well, God comes to the wise men and tells them not to go. That's by Herod. And this really makes Herod upset. We're going to look at the story, and then we're going to look at what it means. 
because it's a crazy story. But it means something even greater than that. So we'll start in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, this thing's not on. There we go. Verse 13, when they had gone, the magic man, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother, gave the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled the Lord, so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Um, he, he does die, actually, the next verse. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted, I guess not Herod. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. You want to um, make sure that you cover all your bases. In accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Okay, so he said, go go kill every two-year-old boy and there's going to be weeping because people are going to be so sad. And But God comes to Joseph and says, go to Egypt. Now Herod, Herod the Great, died in uh, 4 B.C., some say 3, some say 5, it was 4. All those other people are wrong. It's 4. In 4 B.C., uh, in the spring of 4 B.C., he died. Now, that's interesting, because uh, Jesus was born, we'll put Jesus being born, about 5 years before Christ. So, uh, if you grew up in churches of Christ, it's going to be funny to you. If, it's, if you didn't, this isn't. So all those buildings that say established AD 33 are like five years off. That's just funny to me, apparently, in Rob. Uh, but the dating is a bit shifted. But uh, it's not our fault. It's some guy's, some mathematician's fault in the uh, 400s. And rambling about facts that aren't interesting. That's always a bad idea. So there is, uh, so in about 4 BC he dies, so Jesus is about 1 or 2 when he's, he has to go off into Egypt and he's coming back uh, whenever Herod dies. I've got to wait for the king to die before I can return. But this is just a crazy story if heard out of context. If heard out of its biblical context, which is a book called Matthew, written, we believe, by a guy named Matthew, who was one of Jesus' uh, disciples, and Matthew was writing primarily to a Jewish audience, people who were, uh, who, whose great, 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 great grandparents' descendants were the ones who lived in, uh, who, uh, King David and ruled, they ruled, were ruled by King David and they were brought up out of the land of Egypt even further back by Moses. 
and say, so they know their history. And their history, if you're a Jewish person, your history is extremely important to you. Because it seems like, especially at this time, the Roman government is starting to win, and you, your particular kingdom will never win. So, we've got the, the kingdom of David, the people of Israel, hoping for a new king, hoping for something that is um, that can give them hope, and they're not finding it because they're ruled by this crazy person who is who gets his orders from Rome. They're just not finding any hope. And Matthew tells this story in a way, if you're Jewish, that you're going, your ears are going to perk. So he says, this crazy king who is afraid of the children killing the children. Now, if you're a Jew, for us, I mean, it's just it's awful. But if you're a Jew, you hear, oh, wait a second, there's hope. Because you remember the other story where, where children, boys under the age of two, died? Who survived that? The greatest prophet in Israel history, his name is Moses. They put Moses in a basket and they pushed him down the river and he was saved. And then when it was time for Israel to have its day, Moses led the people out. Matthew is trying to tell you something about Jesus by telling you this story about Herod. Matthew's trying to give you insight. Now, he doesn't know you're not a Jew. He doesn't know you don't know your Old Testament like Jews know their Old Testament. But he's trying to give you insight that you might not find elsewhere. He's giving these little winks and nods to the... To the rescue of the people of Israel. Going into Egypt and surviving a, uh, a massacre of children and then coming out of Egypt when it's time. The next thing you'll find is, is um, baptism. You'll find uh, Jesus wandering in the desert in Matthew chapter 4. Being tempted there and overcoming it. You'll find him then giving the law in Matthew chapter 5. And, and, and Matthew's very intentional about this. He wants to tell you not just that this Jesus was a baby, he wants to tell you that this baby will be That this baby will do to the whole world, or do for the whole world what Moses did for Israel. <clears throat> Lead them out of slavery into a land of promise. What Matthew <clears throat> wants you to see in this story, beginning with their flee to Egypt, the survival of the massacre, the return to Israel, what he's wanting you to see is he's giving you these little insights into Jesus is bigger 
than just this baby that we see in front of us. Jesus is bigger than just the celebration that we have in Christmas. Christmas, the, the holiday or the holy day that we have decided, well, this, this will be a good time for the world to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Christmas is not the end of the story. And Matthew does not tell the story as if the story is the end. He tells the story as if it's the beginning. And he's giving us hope. Yes, Jesus was born. Yes, he loved laying in a manger. Yes, a drummer boy banging on a drum. The little boy Jesus, no crying he made. That song is full of it, right? <laughs> Jesus didn't cry like all those other sinful babies do. <laughs> no, they're, they're, he, he's trying to tell us that there's more than what we're seeing. So our goal probably should be a similar goal to the goal of Matthew, where we say to the world, yes, this is beautiful. What we're singing about, what we're celebrating, what we're thinking about today, in this season, is beautiful, but it points to something greater. This child gives us insight into, or the stories that we find around this child specifically, give us insight into what this child will become. And it's not just he died on the cross. To get my sins taken away. He died on a cross and was resurrected so that the, death, the gates of death will not prevail against him. <coughs> so that we will have this hope in this, in this child. We have a hope that this child will grow up and become king. Become a savior or become a redeemer. And Matthew tells a story and gives us these little insights to say, pay attention because this is not just happening, that's happening. It's not just about this baby Jesus, it's about that baby moment. And all throughout the scriptures, we have these little insights into what is actually going on. And the thing that's under, um, laying underneath our Christmas is not just a subset or, 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 or a secondary tale. It's the primary story. And so we tell stories of, of Saint Nick. And we tell stories of, of Rudolph, which, you know, that that But the week, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, kids. We tell stories of, there is, you know, you want to hear a true, true story about St. Nick? One time at um, a council in which they brought in all the saints to discuss a particular doctrine, um, there was a heretic who stood up and um, spoke out and said his piece, and so St. Nick punched him. That's fact. It's just true. That's, that happened in history. So write a song about it with the Christmas tune. Touch the hair and stick. It'll go like that. You run with it. You run with it. I, I, I've done all I can do. 
probably get rid of the clapping that's off me. But we, we tell these stories and these great stories and they're fun and they're, they're exciting and they, they have, have kids' eyes twinkling all over the place. But we, there needs to be a time where our kids, when our kids say, why are we doing this? That we can say, because the king has come. <coughs> because we have been rescued from our slavery to sin and death. And while we may at times, while wandering in the desert and being tested, think, if I could just go back to my slavery where I had everything that I ever wanted. Maybe times we whine, complain, resist. But the king presses on and says again and again, follow me. And we say, but I'm a sinner. And he says, follow me. We say, I don't deserve it. Says, follow me. Because the one we follow was victorious, is victorious, will be victorious. The one we worship has done it, is doing it, will do it on our behalf, will conquer. That's, that story can change lives. That story can um, change paths. That story can redeem, rescue, walk people out of their slavery. But if we continue to glaze that story over with tales of things that aren't that important, with traditions that aren't as important, have your traditions. Um, those of you who are married have your wife's traditions. Because that's one thing you should give up. Um, I was about to have a, if it were up to me, sentence to children's room. We gotta, be, gotta protect that one, right? Gotta protect it. Um, let's not get lost. In the, the, the magic and fail to see the wonder of an actual king, an actual redemption, an actual freedom. Don't get lost in the magic. Follow the king. Yes. That, that baby is the savior of the world. That child is the savior of the world. And we can celebrate that all we want. But there needs to be a time in your week this week where you sit down and talk about Jesus. We do this at Thanksgiving, right? What are you thankful for? Everyone goes around and I'm thankful for food and turkey and uh, one person. Everything. Everything. There's that. Joseph is thankful for everything. We go around the room and we say it, right? Pretty much. We leave a couple of people out. But there, we have 
What about the time when we get together and say, let's, let's remind ourselves about what is really important. You don't have to go on and on about it. Let's for a second remember that Jesus is king. And that child grew up and became the savior that we always needed. And was the champion. And we were losing conquered when we couldn't conquer. He redeemed when we couldn't do it on our own. There's a story of salvation and beauty here that needs to be told. And this is the perfect time to tell it. When everybody's listening. I've got amens before. I've never gotten a pretty much. <laughs> There's always first. Remind me to give you a high five later. Okay. All right, well, so, <laughs> I'm not rattled, but. So, there are, um, <laughs> let's, spin, let's spin this week. Listen, if you, if you want to interact with this Savior, if you want to um, connect with this King who redeemed, then today is the day to do that. But if you've been waiting to talk to your family about Jesus, if you've like, if you, you've got family members that you think this is, I've been wanting to talk to you. I've been wanting to tell you about the King. I've been wanting to tell you about this Savior. This week of all weeks is the week to do it. There's an open door. People are ready to talk about it. People are ready to talk about it. They're ready to hear that story. You tell them. You tell them. It's not complicated. You don't have to tell them every detail. You don't have to give dates. You don't even have to give specific names. But we all know the story. So let's tell the story that is dying to be told. Let's tell the story that needs to be heard. Let's tell the story, the only story, the only story that matters, the only story that gives hope, the only story that gives, brings salvation, the only story that gives us a, um, gives us this, this, this new hope, oh that's another Star Wars reference, isn't it? this new hope that we never could have before. The world needs hearing it. You need to join it. And it can change your life. If you want to respond to this message, or if you just think you need prayers about you've got that person in your mind, you don't think you can talk to them. You don't think you can tell the story to them. And you want prayers or strength. Or if you need anything at all, please come forward while we stand and while we stand. <coughs> <coughs>